and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, listed in 2020 as number eight of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am your host, Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert and author of Business Evolution, Creating Growth in a Rapidly Changing World. I created Scale Your Sales Framework to develop leading edge capabilities to secure, retain and grow key customer relationships for long-term value and partnership. Join me each week to learn from amazing B2B sales and business experts and influencers. Tune in for actionable insights and strategies. Are you ready to scale your sales? My next guest is the Director of Execution and Evolution at Jay Farrow's Sales Training. They focus on delivering to sales development teams to enhance their skill set and performance. Morgan has been named one of the top 50 sales leaders to follow by LinkedIn, a top 25 sales development thought leader by Inside Sales, and LinkedIn's top sales voices 2018, 2019, 2020. We see a trend here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <keep> <laughs> Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Morgan J. Ingram. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, and I'm extremely happy to be here. Well, first of all, I wanted to um, talk to you about your podcast, um, One Up Formula. And uh, I thought it was really interesting when you said that um, uh, you were talking about video proposals and you said it's not for uh, the person you talk to. And I thought that was brilliant. So perhaps kind of share that with um, listeners here as well. So I guess I guess two things, right? So one is the one-off form of podcast. Uh, it basically, I had a previous podcast called the SDR Chronicles, which yeah. basically documented my journey as an SDR over a hundred episodes. And one is the probably one of the first people to create content from an individual contributor standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so I've already done a lot of sales content, and I wanted to do something different and not just focus on the salesperson, but I wanted to focus on the holistic person. So what the one-up format podcast does is figure out what do people do outside of their career and, and their life to be successful in what they're doing. So we dive deep into a lot of things that are extremely fascinating, <laughs> like meditation, <clears throat> yoga, crazy stuff that I was like, wow, this is really insightful. To the proposal, it's insightful as well because sometimes you might want to meet with an executive, but they may not have the time or they may not feel comfortable meeting with you, which is completely okay. So what you can do to save yourself time is to create a video proposal. And there's a lot of tools out there like Vidyard, Drift, Video, Loom. I mean, there's a lot. So you could just go Google it. But the whole thing here is I will actually go through the proposal. <clears throat> and typically the video is five to seven minutes, which isn't that long because you've already had conversations in the sales cycle. So you've already built that rapport. So they'll watch a five to seven minute video. And also as well, think about it, it saves time. Because if you hop on a phone with someone, typically it's 30 minutes. But if I send a five to seven minute video, I just saved everyone time and you get to see my face, right? So I become more relatable in the sales cycle. I'm not just a price tag. I'm an actual person. And also as well, I'm just walking you through something and you just probably want to know the details and you really don't even hop on the call. So I've actually closed multiple deals by just doing a video proposal and walking people through it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I love that. And I thought it was the reason why I wanted to, people will know you from the Chronicles because you've got yep. so many episodes. And so the one-up is, is as you say, it's almost like you've matured, isn't it? Hey? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a growth. It's growth. That's all yeah, it is. it is. And it's it's wonderful. And I know that you've started that. So I did want to kind of um, uh, uh, drive people uh, to that because I think it's wonderful. I also listened to the episodes with Nicolette as well that was brilliant I really really enjoyed that so uh thank you for explaining that because I thought that was such a great sales tip that uh audiences need to know so let me ask you about how you have adapted we're talking about kind of evolving and growing up and everything how you've adapted um to COVID what are you doing more of yeah, uh, you know, COVID came out of nowhere for everybody. So <laughs> I did that pretty quickly. I think one of the biggest things has been, I mean, we, it, we're we going to stay on this topic, but it really has been video. I've always been a huge video person, and I definitely have tripled down on video because my the whole take on this is that if you think about events, so we met an event, right? And that connection is really strong. And typically that is something that's really going to help you moving forward in the future is selling in person, going to someone's office. But right now you can't really do that at scale. There's still things that are locked down. I mean, things are opening up, but it's still not like what it was. So what I tell people is that as we're in this and moving forward, video is going to be a way that people want to communicate. And you can't just rely on what you did before because you're going to get outdated and you're going to get lapped. So the main focus you should have right now is how can I leverage video to stand out? And so how I've adapted is most of the things that I use and leverage is video. I follow up with video, handle (laughs) objections with video, right? And I'm using it quite a bit so that people can see who I am because I can't meet people in person anymore. And that's the key. Right, right. And so this is a whole new area for SDRs, um, you know, uh, uh, account executives, we're all having to learn about this space, really, that we've got to pre- uh, present ourselves positively uh, in, in these, these little boxes that we're in. So do you find that people are taking to it naturally or, or actually really identify that this is something they've got to practice in order to master, that it's, it's just like another tool that you have to um, engage in? Uh, as as your sales development most people are afraid of the video which to i don't i don't really get that at the end of the day like you're in sales like it it doesn't like compete with my mind it doesn't compete with me but people are afraid of it and they they get really nervous about it and at the end of the day as we all know like the results in the success you're looking for it's outside of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. so you can say hey i'm not going to do this and that's completely fine I feel like this is a skill that you need to learn for the future because we're moving to a digital world. There are going to be people who don't want to go to events anymore. There are going to be people who won't, don't want to meet in person. They're like, why am I traveling when I can do all this stuff at home? So you, you actually are going to miss out on those people you could connect with in person because they won't be connecting in person. So what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to figure out another way to connect with them on a human level, and that's video. And you know, we're every meeting has evolved to Zoom meetings and, and things of that nature. So the more you can have a presence on video, the better you will be in the long term because everyone is getting comfortable being remote. And then people might go back to hybrid, but I don't see a lot of people going back to full time in the office. People are realizing that, oh, we could do this hybrid. We can do this fully remote. 
And so that's why these skills are important because of where we're going with the environment and society. And if you aren't paying attention to the trends, then you get left behind because you didn't learn a skill that you should have been focusing on. And it's funny as you, you've picked up, it's almost counterintuitive. You think, hey, this is a salesperson. This should be a natural progression. But a lot of people yeah. are afraid of it, which is really. But then a lot of salespeople are not extroverted as they present. They're actually introverted. So that's another kind of counterintuitive. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at the time when you started on this track with the SDR, you were really unique in that there weren't many SDRs that were putting themselves forward. They're very much behind the scenes and you've very much created your own brand identity that a lot of other SDRs are now kind of backfilling. Um, so what kind of started you on this track by, by documenting your journey? Yeah, so I saw, and we still talk to this day, I saw it was like, what five six years ago saw a blog post by ralph barcy and basically in the blog post it was just about being a top sdr one thing that he said in there that was interesting to me is he said an sdr should create a youtube channel and document their journey essentially so then i was like that's interesting so i tweeted him then i was like hey i'm i'm gonna create this youtube channel yeah he had no idea who i was right and he's like all right cool like yeah we'll see what happens right so i remember you know four or five months into the role getting used to it etc and what really took it to the next level is I went to a conference called Rainmaker, which was by Sales Off, and it was here in Atlanta. And their keynote that year was Gary Vaynerchuk. So I've been following Gary for a while, and I'm like, he's like my hero. So basically, I was like pumped. And like, no one else got it. And I was like, we need to pay attention to this guy. Everyone was like, whatever. I was like, cool. So like, I'm there, right, listening to gary and one thing that he said he was like hey if you're in sales right now this is the time to build your brand and there's going to be very few people very few people who do it but if you do it you're going to stand out in the end and i found that to be like really very really interesting and very intriguing and i remember being fired up after that and then going home like that night and creating the youtube channel and then from there i, I kept going so that's like how it started because at the end of the day you know i was Four months into my role, just started out, like I didn't have like massive experience to talk to, but I remember Gary saying that, hey, like don't come off as like, I'm the expert, I'm the best in the world. Come off as, I don't actually know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna document this journey and learn as I learn. And that's what really helped me along the way. And, and I just became relatable to the audience. Yeah, yeah, Gary spoke to you. <laughs> he did, he did. I was like, let's go, let's yeah. go, yeah. Um it, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but had you not done that, because obviously I, I read out a lot of your accolades and, you mm. know, uh, LinkedIn voices, 2021, 2020, and we see where this is going. Um, and what do you think, had you not done that, what position do you think you would be in now as opposed to where you are now? It would be completely different. Yeah. Uh, I got, the reason I'm at the organization I'm at right now, JB Sales, is because John found me on YouTube. So if I wasn't creating those videos, then, you know, I don't, I don't get hired. I'm not traveling. We're not even having this conversation, right? I wouldn't even be international. I would stay, I would still be, I would still have success and I probably would be, you know, a leader somewhere or might have still been an individual contributor. Like I would have seen success, but not to the level that it's at now because I can get the success that 
is needed, but also as well, I have a brand around that too. So it creates what we like to call internal reputation and external reputation. So most people have really great internal reputations, but they don't have an external reputation. So it's harder for them to move forward as fast, but I have both. So that allows me to move faster. So there are a lot of um, salespeople that I talk to about, um, you know, building your, your personal brand. And they think, well, one, the company might have a problem with it. And, yeah. uh, and, and that means you're in the wrong company. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say that. So you already, you already answered that question for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but also they, they don't really see the, the benefit because they see themselves very much as part of the organization that they don't really need to think yeah. far ahead. So what would you say to them? At the end of the day, it's a long-term game. Uh, a lot because of how sales works you think very short term you're like i gotta hit my quota this month this quarter right and so you're very short term focused so if you create a brand and it doesn't give you results in the first two to three months you're like this is a waste of time building a brand is an investment for your future and it's a huge safety net too so i'm gonna give an example and then i'm gonna come back to it so covid happened a lot of people got fired and a lot of people couldn't find a job. The people who got jobs faster were people who had a brand. The people who were struggling did not have one. So the, the building the brand, I like to call it increasing reputation, is basically there when you need it the most. But you have to build it when you don't need it the most. Because there's probably a lot of people during COVID, they were like, I wish I would have built my brand. Because people would have known who I, who I am. So when everyone was getting let go and fired, yeah, you were doing great stuff for the company, but what if that company didn't help you when they let you go? Mm -hmm. Then what, right? The brand is something that no one can take away from you at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what happens to your career. No one can take away your brand unless you decide to mess it up. Yeah. So this is a long-term investment for your career. Just like if you would invest into a stock, right? An index fund. Uh, a house, it's a long-term investment. Mm -hmm. And if you treat it as that way, it will give you dividends at the end of the career you have. But if you focus on, hey, I'm looking to get this done in two, two months, it, you're looking at it the wrong way. This is a long-term yeah. investment. And it actually brings us back around to how we started with the one-up formula. You're mm. actually investing in yourself and it's your kind of whole self and, and what you're talking about now, not only sales and self-development but also yeah. you as a person and how you're investing in, in in that as well yeah absolutely so let's um talk a bit more about how b2b sales has shifted do you think it's it's buyer um customer centric enough or if more can be done more more can definitely be done i i see more sales reps being focused on the customer though there's more customer centric focus and conversations and even customer success people are focusing more on selling too. So we have like both sides of the coin. However, I think it's going to be a continuous journey for sales reps to focus on the customer. And that has to do with education, actually caring, being genuinely curious. Uh, sometimes in sales, we get really caught up in just hitting that number, hitting that quota, instead of being like, how can I solve this problem for this client instead of how can I close this to get my commission? And and things change for myself. Like, I remember just really being focused on like, I gotta get this, I gotta get the quota, et cetera. Like, and you, you, like, you get rampant, right? But when you just focus on like, how can I actually solve what's happening here? You get more results. Cause you're like, 
in tune and you're genuinely focused on what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that is the key at the end of the day. So um, talk to me about your belief about why you think customer success and uh, the cust- the sales function should be separate because a lot of it's moving into one another, but your view is that they should be separate. The organization itself is separate, but the skill sets are together. Right. So like as a sales rep, they obviously need to be focusing on selling, but they also need to be focusing on how to be better at customer success. They should be focused on that. Not just, hey, I got to close the deal, see you later. It's like, how is this going to look in the long term? Customer success can't just focus on being a customer success person. It's focused on actively selling. And selling to most people is a dirty word. But really, at the end of the day, it's solving problems and advancing in a conversation so you can come to a conclusion to offer you value on what you're looking to obtain based on what's going on in your organization. So it's both, right? A sales rep should have sales and customer success skills and a customer success person should also know how to sell and have their customer success skills. I think the organizations are both separate because they're obviously looking to go towards different goals and those leaders have different mindsets, but both of those departments should be working more closely together. Okay, so if they should be working more closely together, what is the disadvantage of them being together? I would say the disadvantage of being together is ultimately probably the personalities. <laughs> you know, it's uh, that's really what it is. Like it's in a customer success, they probably don't want to do certain things. Like they probably don't want to actually run a sales cycle, right? So I'm, I'm, and I'm assuming this is the question, right? Is like running a whole full sales cycle from prospecting all the way to closing. I don't think that a lot of people want to do that entire thing. They want to be like, hey, I just want to focus on prospecting and closing. And hey, I just want to focus on, Hey, once you close it, like how to get more revenue out of them, I think having them together and I'm assuming what you're saying is doing the whole thing. That's a lot. And it probably won't mess with a lot of people's personalities in it. And that's too many skills that it's too much going on at that point. Yeah. I mean, what I meant is that it's actually one department, even though there's different people. So I would imagine that you could have um, uh, sales success sitting with sitting with so the handover is that you know what where the customer is on the journey and you've been part of the sales even though you haven't been involved in it so when it comes over to customer success or vice versa actually you're all on the same team you know you're all in the same department there's often there's so many silos in in sales and between sales mm. and marketing and actually at the end of the day the customer doesn't care they just want <laughs> it to be easy and the more silos they are and you have different leaders that protect their areas yeah. then the more difficult it is for there to be just a a, a customer flowing through the journey of getting to where the customer wants to be and having the experience they want to have. I don't know. What's your view? Okay. That makes sense. So like that, so like how I see it is that like, there should be a focus on just a revenue team. And I, and I think that's like where you're, where you're getting at, because like, if you think about a CRO, so typically a CRO is over the sales development department, the sales department and the customer success. So like in essence, like that is starting to happen more and more and more. So I think it's not a conversation around just the sales team. It's like the revenue team. And I think the revenue team also would include marketing as well. So it really should be like, 
marketing, customer success, sales and sales development should all be working together. Now, again, every organization is different on like why they don't do that. But I, I see it as like a revenue team more than anything else. Yeah, excellent, excellent. I, I get that. So what practical strategies would you offer to enable buyers to buy? Hmm. I think <laughs> enable buyers to buy. I think it's really tough because sometimes sales are to make it complicated for them to do that. I, I, I honestly, like at the end of the day, like I think it's three things. Number one is before you go into an evaluation, like know what your decision criteria is. It's actually sometimes baffling when the buyer has no idea what their decision criteria is and why they're buying something. Like yeah. you, sh you should know that going into it, right? So obviously there's a difference between an educated buyer versus an uneducated buyer. Right. Because if it's an educated buyer, like you shouldn't be doing actually a lot of selling. You just need to show them what they need. Um, educated, it's a little bit different. You got to guide them through a process. So what I would say is, number one, is know what your decision criteria is on what you're looking to accomplish. Uh, two is know, know what what is a six to 12 month outcome look like. So if I implement this, what do I want this to look like in a six to 12 month time span? <clears throat> Could be even shorter depending on what you buy. Yeah. And I think, and I think number three is to make it easier is know what type of values that you're looking for when working with a company. And what I mean by that is someone may have a really good product, but the values of the company could be off. <clears throat> and so if you're working with someone whose values are off, then that's a reflection of you. So know what values you're looking for when working with different people. So it's like, oh, that aligns, that messes with us, or it doesn't. And these are just good questions to ask. So when it doesn't align, what happens then? I think that, I mean, you could, I don't know. It depends on the person, right? You could candidly tell them like, hey, our values don't align. That's how, depends on how bold you are and how you want to say that. But I think if it doesn't align, then you can easily say like, hey, you know, we're not looking to move forward here and you can, you know, just move on. But it really depends on how upfront you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I always ask a question about diversity, um, who, whatever guests that I have, but what I really found very intriguing uh, um, is uh, sales for culture. I went on the website. I absolutely love the mission and we'll put the links in, in here as well. So tell me more about sales for culture. Yeah. So sales for the culture started about I'm trying to think because I think COVID like messes up my timelines now. So what, two years ago, two, a year and a half, year and a half, two years ago. So basically I created it because, oh, at the beginning, I created it as just an original Slack group and it was called sales, sisterhood and brotherhood because I had a lot of people hit me up asking me questions around, hey, I'm an African-American sales. Uh, these are obstacles I'm having. And then obviously, you know, I'm one of the few people that can actually talk to the actual issues. And I was getting a lot of them and I was like, all right, I don't have the answers for all of them because some of them are stuff that's out of my scope and I don't have the experience to answer it. Like I can give my opinion, but I don't have the direct experience. So what I end up doing is hitting up a couple people being like, Hey, this is what I want to do. Let's do it. And they were all in. And then I created the Slack group and we just really just started building and gaining people from there. And as we had more people, uh, people internally that were like leaders, like myself had more responsibilities. So we had to figure out ways to like really take it to the next level. So we had a person in there, Jacob, who really took it to the next level and was like, hey, I really want to do this with it. And it was something that I had thought about doing in the future. It's just I had no time to do it. So then we, we partnered together and then Shelton from WeWork, we partnered with him. And then we decided to create this 
organization here, sales for the culture, because we realize at the end of the day that there are people who are not yet in sales. There are people who are in sales who need help and guidance, and they don't have a safe place to share what's going on in their journey as, as an African-American in the space, whether woman or male. And so that's the reason that we did that. And it's been great to see in the group, people providing advice, people giving insight on, on them growing. And we're seeing people getting promoted and, and finding jobs. And it's just really exciting to see. It's interesting because I asked the the question about diversity and diversity in sales and what more we can do and whether people think it's in, in important. Um, and also when I ask the question, it's always interesting. Do they think I'm talking about women? Do they think I'm talking about ethnic? What do they think? You know, and you can yeah. always tell by the way they answer the question, what their perspective is. So I find it quite enlightening. But one of the things that always comes through is like, yeah, we're doing something, but we can't find people that are, you know, we the the, the um, pool is really quite small. Mm. What more can we we do? So it's it's great to have um this this forum um where they you can provide access these uh there are people that are ready that are interested and you're supporting them through through what will be an um not necessarily difficult hopefully not but a path that others may not share yeah absolutely it's it's taking small action you know and it's at the end of the day it's being an action leader and not just talking about it uh, everyone, anyone could talk about anything, but very few take action. And so that's that's the reason why we did that. Yeah, well, you know, I congratulate you and I'll definitely put the uh, links in here. Um, so tell me, um, if you're on a desert island on your own, what's the one thing you would take with you? <laughs> uh, so this is a really good question and I really had to think about it, but I'd bring my journal. Your journal. Okay, yeah. so tell me a bit more about your journal. So I have it actually here in front of me. Um, it's called the six minute journal. I have, I have to get a new one. Like I think every probably four to five months because I, I run out of pages, obviously the thing is, is that like we get so caught up in our work and we get caught up in the chaos of life that we don't get time to reflect on what are we actually doing? We never ask ourselves that like, am I actually happy? Am I actually hitting the goals that I want? Or am I just doing this because I think I have to do it? And ultimately, we have control over our lives and no one else is controlling it. But we could get caught up in that and lose time. And it's been five years and it's like, what the heck am I doing? So the journal is really important to me because it, it keeps me grounded as much as I can. What are you grateful for in the morning? What are you looking forward to? Uh, what's your positive affirmation statement? What goals do you need to accomplish today? Like, what are you reflecting on? It just gives me a lot to think about. And so I'm always reflecting every day. It's not just like I pick one day and I reflect. Like I'm always reflecting because of the journal. And I'd bring it because it would, if I'm stranded, I got a lot to reflect on. So I would use that journal to be like, okay, what do we need to do? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Have you become more reflective as you got older? Where did you, when did you start writing the journal? Was it from childhood or was there a particular point? How has your journal journey evolved? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, definitely not a journey, a journal when I was growing up. Absolutely not. I'm like all over the place. I was like, I don't need that. That's, that's, it's irrelevant. That's dumb. I actually thought it was dumb. So where it really came into play is my girlfriend said that you should try out a journal. And this was around the big, like right at the beginning of 2020. So I guess ironically, like, you know, right before everything happened, 
and because I've been, I just tr- used to travel every single week. I never really re- got a chance to like write things down. I just was like, go, 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 go. So I started writing in this journal at the beginning of 2020 and it was just really therapeutic for me. And it doesn't take long. I like, go six to 10 minutes. I'm not doing a whole lot. And then I was like, this is great. So like, as soon as COVID hit, so that's about three months I was doing it. It was a habit at that point. So as I was, as everyone was just going through a lot, I honestly wasn't that stressed out. Like obviously it was chaotic, but the journal really kept me at ease. And if I didn't have it, I think it would have been a different scenario. And so I've done the journal pretty much every single day. Like the only days I really don't do it are like Sundays because I don't really do anything. So there's nothing to really like say, but Monday through Saturday, I write something in there and I probably have gone through two already, two or three already. And, you know, I have them, you know, stacked up of like, Hey, like I've done these things, but it's been really cool to just see the journey of the journaling. And then also as well, I do it every single morning before I get into anything. So then I know what I'm focusing on throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great discipline to have. My sister has um, always journaled and she's uh, one of the things I have to do when she pops her clogs, she says, I, I can't read them um, <laughs> and I must burn them. That's <laughs> one job I've got to do, burn all of her journals. She doesn't want any. It's just for her. And then the other thing I want to say is um, I work with Cranfield School of Management. I'm one of their kind of active yep. um, coaches and I work with various companies helping the managers become leaders and one of the tools that I absolutely love that we do is journaling Mm. and they say you know they get their MSc at the end of this they say this is the thing that's made the most difference to their personal and leadership development um, journey Mm. so uh, you know it's a great skill to have so I'm giving you yours you've got yours and I'll give you an extra one as well that you can have on your desert island on your (laughs) own to keep you occupied yeah I got I got a I got a lot of them so <laughs> you'll have a lot to say I'm sure. <laughs> yes absolutely so, Morgan how can listeners get hold of you so best way you can follow me on Instagram but I am at the cap so if you try to connect with me it won't work uh, best place to connect with me is on Instagram so at Morgan J Ingram and then uh, we mentioned at the beginning but go check out the podcast the world former podcast yeah Excellent. Lovely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've been trying to get you on here for a while. So, hey, I've got it now. We got it. We're here. (laughs) We're here. We're here. Thank you for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast, Morgan. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Scale Your Sales. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Janice B. Gordon, to comment and share. I'd love it if you would leave a review on ratethispodcast.com slash scale your sales. Please subscribe for more weekly expert insights to scale your sales.